Hello everyone. I just wanted to take this moment to address the fact that we recorded this episode before the tragic passing of Ray Liotta and Paul Sorvino. So while we didn't have the foresight to make it into the proper tribute that it should be, I just wanted to say here and now, gentlemen, you were beloved and you will be missed. Salut. Continuing completed classics. Fulfilling failed franchises. Reinvigorating reviled rehashes. It's the follow-up showdown! With Paul Gitz, Travis McMaster, and Lauren Pacorni. Hello and welcome back to the follow-up showdown 3 AFIII, where we give worthy second chapters to the top 100 films that don't have them. This season we will be discussing all existing sequels to movies on both versions of the AFI Top 100 lists. Today our subject is 1990's My Blue Heaven, the unofficial sequel to number 94 on the original list, 1990's seminal mob classic Goodfellas. I am your Henry Hill of a host, Paul Getz, and with me are my co-hosts, a Tommy and a Jimmy that I would never rat on, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey! Hey. How are you doing, though? That's, good. I mean, okay, good. Uh, it means uh, hello, good. but also... I'm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. This, uh, uh, this, the listeners don't know, but we actually entirely forgot that this was going to be happening today. But it's good news because it means we got to double feature shotgun both of these films yesterday. Which I think mm-hmm. is a good idea. I think it was a great idea. Yeah, it's it was. A, uh, I'm going to start doing last minute everything. It's uh, it, there, You do get a bit of whiplash, but that's okay. The <laughs> transition from one to the next really stood out to me of like yeah. where you're you know, at, even, even on a musical note with Goodfellas, yeah. where you end, and then my blue heaven. <laughs> oh, boy. You really do have to kind of like. <laughs> adjust to Steve Martin, I think, yeah. for the first 10, 10 minutes, you have to go, oh. okay, well, okay. Uh, we'll get I there. don't know if 10 minutes is enough, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> first, let's jump right into two Travis McMaster minutes. Oh! Yeah, you- <laughs> two Travis McMaster minutes! <clears throat> you seem more ready today. Is that true? Am I reading into that? He, I just had my coffee. He uh, remembered earlier and has mm. since forgotten. But because he remembered earlier, it's not as shocking that he forgot. And yeah. <laughs> that is how I feel. Slightly <laughs> less shocked than I normally do, <laughs> yeah. but still unprepared. Yeah. Okay, well, this is going to be beautiful. Then. So in these two minutes, Travis is going to explain everything that happened in both movies. Are you ready? Right. What, yeah. yeah. Can you give me a little sort of just like give me a little nod when I hit one minute? Oh, okay, sure. If, I, if I'm still in Goodfellas, give me a Yeah, I get you. I, who knows where I'll be. All right, all right. <laughs> and go. Okay, so Goodfellas is about, oh, his name, I think his name is literally uh, Hank Hill. It could, I'm not the first I mean, to say. It's Henry Hill, Hank yeah. Hill. It's a stupid yeah. joke. Anyway, all his life, this guy, he's wanted to be a gangster. Uh, that's from the movie. You haven't seen it. That joke's for no one. So it starts in the 50s when he's just like a punk kid and he elects not to go to school, which meant something kind of different in the 50s, I take it. He starts hanging out with, at like this 
know, with the mobsters hang out at their restaurant or their pool hall or something. And he just kind of like falls in with them, follows them. That's like his ambition is just he just wants to be one of these coolest guys in the neighborhood. Uh, you kind of get the impression he doesn't think he's ever going to get out and this is the best he can do. Uh, but they don't they don't bang you over the head with that too much. So then you just follow this guy's uh, fairly violent rise. Like it's not that violent. It's just taken as red that is violent. So there's a lot of violence happening while he just kind of like snaps his fingers and points at everybody. While he just A's and O's his way up through the ranks of the mob. And it's there's not like a story per se as much as it is like the story of his life, which ends uh, with him in. Oh, my God. OK, so he was a gangster and then he ratted on people uh, so that he could save his neck when he got into trouble. Uh, and then they relocated him into the suburbs. Um, and he was miserable about that. So then My Blue Heaven starts with him. But he's Steve Martin now. Um, and he's. Awaiting trial, and Rick Moranis is like the cop who's in charge of him, keeping him, trying to keep him out of trouble, but he's not very good at that. Uh, so then he's kind of like playing love connection between Rick Moranis and uh, Joan Cusack, who is like the local PD, who is not okay with him, not keeping his nose clean. Uh, and then he's just kind of, literally, it's a Nora Ephron movie, so he's just really kind of doing that till we get to the trial. Uh, and then there's actually two dance sequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, are, okay. uh, oh, do I have more time? You do. Oh, no, that's fine. That's it. Carol Kane's there. Nailed it. Yeah. All right. You. I think you did better on um, My Blue Heaven than Goodfellas, uh, personally. But I think uh, it's nice of you to say that I did better on either of those. (laughs) Yeah. You know. uh, I'm trying to think. I would say maybe the biggest thing left out of Goodfellas with, and (laughs) and it 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 makes sense to have done it because it's really toward the end is that there is a, a big heist. Yeah. That they made, they make a big score, and then the Robert De Niro character starts getting, uh, starts killing everybody who did the heist uh, right. to protect himself. And yeah, because there's not no story. There is like a story, but that yeah. that you know kind of starts shuffling in more towards the end. As soon as I said there's no story, it's a character study. My brain went, "What about all that uh, story stuff that happened yeah. in the middle and at the end?" And I was but, like, "Yeah, but you're not wrong. I mean, I think what actually what." Well, I guess we'll we'll talk about your feelings more in a moment. I love Goodfellas; it's my favorite mob movie, um, and I think what works so well about it—I mean, among just performances and everything that's cool about it—is that it's more about just bringing you into a world, putting you on the ride, putting you through the steps, and being like, "These are the people. These are what this is what's lovable about them. This is what's terrifying about them, and and this is the world they live in." You know, in, in, until the end. So, it, it I would definitely say it's more. A character study in a world building than it is a story. The story is scattered for sure. So he should do it. <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> Overall, well done. Um, so yeah, let's start there. How'd you guys feel about Goodfellas? I liked it. I had seen it once before, but only remembered like a handful of like shots or vibes from it. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was a relentlessly moving forward, mm-hmm. very driving at all times. That music really mm. catapults you right through the movie. That's just it's not let up. No. Yeah. It was I liked it. It was good. I like I like the characters. It's fun seeing seeing everybody. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well like put. when you think you're done yeah. seeing everybody. <laughs> yeah. Some more people walk in yeah. the door. <laughs> yes. You're like, hey! <laughs> Speaking of the music, just because that was a good segue into this, there are 43 songs on that soundtrack. The equivalent Let, of name them. four albums. <laughs> that I don't have right in front of me. It was um, uh, really startling. One of them started, and it is 
a song that is a very popular TikTok song, mm. except on TikTok it is sped up and is very high. Hmm. I had no idea that it was like just a regular song. So that was which one very, is very that? jarring. Wow, no research at all. I is it know. is it just music? Is there lyrics? There's, it's singing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the lady's like, whatever happened to da 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 da. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, yeah. they know if they're on TikTok, they know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We, we just got or lost a whole bunch of points. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh. I, very clear here that Scorsese's into music. Like how into it is pretty cool. Some of the behind the scenes stuff. He had thought about all the songs and where they would appear three years before shooting the film, and specifically for the Layla sequence, which is the sequence in which um, the Eric Clapton song is playing and they're showing all the dead people. Apparently on set, Martin Scorsese would play uh, sections of the song that were supposed to match up with that shot. So that He's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> okay, we're getting a little controversial here, but... Uh, Scorsese um, knows how to cut a picture. I like how the songs charted um, the passing of time as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked it too. Okay, good. Cool. Uh, good. Goodfellas doesn't need me to say that it was good. Knows. I had also not. I'd seen it once before in high school. I remember liking it, but just being like, like okay with it. Like okay, good, good fellas. That's good for you. Watching it this time, I felt like I could really appreciate like everything that was being done in the movie with the acting. Yeah, I mean, I and I, you know, I'm up for a debate every now and then, but I am very glad to hear that from both of you. I did not want to be on opposite sides of the fence on this one because mm. it would have, it would have made me sour. I can uh, understand. I can understand someone's like not being into this movie because of the the content. Sure, you know, and the lifestyle. It's very violent. It's very misogynistic. It's upsetting, and, yeah. You know, yeah. Sure. And there's hate. There's all this stuff in it. Uh, so I could understand if someone was like, "Oh no, I don't. I don't." If anyone said like, "Uh, Goodfellas," that's not really a good movie, though. Like technically speaking, it's not well crafted. There's no need then to even talk to that person. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, you don't have to fight right. with them. What are you gonna What are you gonna yeah. say to them? I mean, yeah. Just walk away. I do think they do a good job of making the world upsetting and hard. Like, it doesn't make you want to be in the world. That's for sure. Right. But it does. Personally, what makes it my favorite mob movie over The Godfather, which I also like. But there is heaviness, but there's also fun. There are tongue-in-cheek yeah. moments and, you know, uh, some of that, that dark comedy. that, Like uh, the scene with, with uh, Tommy's mother where they're sitting around and he's like, hey, I'm going to borrow this knife. It's okay. Like and yeah, yeah. like and showing him the pictures and stuff. It's like that, you know. It 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 makes the world feel more full. The fact that they you do get to see the fun, you do get to see the happiness for them. Yeah. You know. Do you um do you know if like that his mother is a uh, Martin Scorsese's mom? Yes, Tommy's you, mom. Yeah. 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 Um, do you know if a lot of her lines were just improv? Because they kind of just felt like Martin was like, "Hey, mom, tell that story you tell about." She the wasn't guy. supposed to be on set. She wouldn't leave. She had to. She, <laughs> would, she wouldn't leave until she fed everybody. So he was like, "Set the camera up. I guess let's just film it. See what happens." <laughs> I know a lot of the movie was improvised. Apparently, the way they did the improv was Martin Scorsese would let everybody do the full scene, improvise whatever they wanted, and then he would take down everything they said pick what worked the best and then add that to the script that he would then give out for them to Ooh. use. Uh, also the, that scene with the mother was almost entirely improvised. And I know specifically that he did not tell his mother that there was a 
guy dying in their trunk outside. Sure. Like the <laughs> darkness reflected. He said it was just uh, a mother talking to her son. Her son's coming home to visit. You know, that's and cute. That's what works so well about the scene. It's like to her, it's a wholesome situation. Yeah, you know, I, and so. I think Pesci, I think is you can tell when they're just like riffing in the yeah. scene. He is always the, so good at staying in it, picking up what someone else is putting down, not trying to run away and like make a whole big thing about it. He's just so good at just like yeah. I feel like a lot of those scenes where he's just like cutting up and everybody's laughing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just telling Pesci stories. Sure, I, killing. They're mostly of violence he's committed. Yeah, That's what I love. Like he's clearly <laughs> the scariest guy, the guy who loves killing people the most, and. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, his his anecdotes are all, and then I bashed his face in. <laughs> 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 um, but specifically, the very famous scene, and perhaps made too famous to children by Good Feathers, uh, yeah. in that it was the bit every single episode is the "How am I funny?" Yeah. sequence, um, which apparently that was an anecdote brought to the set by Joe Pesci to Martin Scorsese as something that happened to him when he spoke to a wise guy and said he was right. funny and got a negative response. Scorsese didn't put that in the script and just let Pesci go so that Ray Liotta and everybody else's reactions would be a little bit more, you know, natural off the cuff. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. And, um, I do remember that. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you know, you made a face, do you know the good feathers? No. Do you know who they are? The pigeons from There's Animaniacs. Animaniacs. And they're oh, based ha, on ha, the three... Ha. Good fellas. Yeah. Did I make a face? You you sort of like I made a quizzical use... face, like good yeah, feathers. Yeah, I, I don't. And I know it you was didn't watch a lot of. Never my favorite things. as a kid. I always suffered through those because it was always the same. It was right. that Pesci bird would beat up the Henry Hill bird for calling him funny. Ray Liotta bird. Yeah, the Ray Liotta bird. And then the De Niro bird. And then the De Niro would bird go, would laugh. Would like squint. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know um, who any. I I didn't know that it was a reference. I mean, I maybe I did because I knew the book Goodfellas, but I, of yeah. course, had not seen it, and I certainly wasn't aware that that was supposed to be De Niro. Yeah. So I liked him a little bit, but I'm I'm yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, and then they mixed it because I I believe that the boss bird, the God Feather, was yeah. was Vito Corleone. Like it was sure. modeled after Brando in The Godfather. Did he not have? She, or, uh, Scorsese eyebrows, though? Maybe he did. You might be thinking of the fish from Shark Tale, voiced <laughs> by Martin Scorsese. You haven't <laughs> seen Shark Tale. Oh. They, there's a De Niro like shark who has yeah. De Niro's mole, yeah. and there's a Scorsese blowfish, I think, who has the eyebrows. Uh, he's a white fish. Oh, okay. I, okay, he, okay, so the, the, go, the god pigeon does not have Scorsese eyebrows. Uh, thank you for listening to Animaniacs Talk, where we go through all the old Animaniacs parodies and fact check them. The worst ones. We, we only do the, the, the low end we're gonna, ones. We're doing Mindian Buttons next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, Rita and Runt. Ugh. Um, Wait, who's Rita and Runt? That was, it was, the dog was um, Rain Man, and went, what are we doing, oh. what are we doing? Wait, and who's Mindian Buttons? That was the baby that the dog was babysitting. Why I did mean Rita them. and Runt. I yeah. did mean them. Because, yeah, I'll yes, take yes. Buttons and Mindy over because at least you get cartoon antics. At least you get a Can chase. Imagine the person who was looking through podcasts and went, "Ooh, Goodfellas." 
<laughs> and now they're listening to us reminisce about which Animaniac side cartoon we disliked the most. <laughs> you know, they can say they can go. There's more to come, I promise. <laughs> and let's get back into it. Um, so this movie has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty solid. Well deserved, Tomatoes. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was written <laughs> by Nicholas Pileggi who was the journalist who wrote the book Wise Guy, upon which it is based, based on multiple interviews with the real man, Henry Hill, whose story this is. Uh, it was written by him and Martin Scorsese. This is one of five of his movies that he's written or co-written himself. Uh, supposedly before this, Scorsese had said that he didn't want to do any more mob movies because he was, it was becoming too much of a thing for him. And then he read this book called the guy and said, this is the book I've been waiting for my whole life. Yeah. And the guy said, well, this is the call I've been waiting for my whole life. Party, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Let's do business. Um, but they wrote it together. Um, and apparently throughout the whole process, they were also talking to Henry Hill, specifically to help add to the voiceovers, which were key and just direct quotes from him telling his story. Pretty cool yeah. little mix there. And Good it becomes job. a Good job, Martin. Yeah. I'll and it becomes it. cooler when we get to My Blue Heaven, which will happen shortly. Uh, director's notes, it's Marty. We're doing Marty, Marty, guys. This is our first time doing Marty. This is pretty cool. It is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Not a big sequel guy. Yeah. Except for the one no, no, big no. one. No, that wasn't him. Sorry, that was... <laughs> edit that out. Not the Godfather. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't Ooh. wait to leave that in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have a Star Trek podcast. I think people get my deal. Mm hmm only director's note I have, and maybe this is interesting, this might get cut, um, is that uh, first scene filmed was the Maury's Wigs commercial. It was oh. based on a local ad for replacement window company that Scorsese had seen. So he reached out to the producer, director, and spokesperson of that commercial to direct this commercial so it would have that same feel. Oh. That's I'll nice. bet that guy was intolerable for like <laughs> five to ten years after the movie came out. I'll bet that yeah. guy told everybody. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Come on. He, yeah. I'd yeah. be cool about it, though. People yeah, don't know this. Maybe Off not. mic, I'm very cool. <laughs> they call me Cool Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that today because you sent me a uh, text in which you abbreviated it to CP. CP. And we got CP, we got LP, but we got to make you a P. Somehow, I don't know how to TM, do it. It's trademark. hard. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying mm. we want to be three P's in a pod. Doing a pod. <laughs> three P's doing a pod. Three P suit. Three P suit. Sure. Anyways, we'll figure that out um, <laughs> later. I'm doing who? I'm doing milk. <laughs> Playing to win. So let's get into these actors' notes. Mm. So uh, first one approached was De Niro. Scor at the time, Scorzy's boy. We're just gonna—I'm gonna call him Scorzy. Scorzy, yeah. Uh, his his muse before Leo was his muse. Is his muse, and uh, Scorzy said to Denny De Niro <laughs> <laughs> that he could play either Jimmy or Tommy. It was up to him. Uh, apparently, oh, interesting. De Niro hemmed and hawed and like didn't commit. So Scorsese started, uh, you know, courting a few other choices for all roles. We had Al Pacino offered Jimmy. He turned it down because he didn't want to be typecast and then did Dick Tracy that same year. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> John Malkovich 
Uh, which I could have seen as Jimmy. You know. Uh, is he Italian? I don't know. I don't think. He Malcolm doesn't Vich? seem Italian. John Malkovich? No. I mean, no. I think he's from Neptune. He man. could be Italian, but I just I didn't, didn't think he was I love Italian. John Malkovich. That's not a dig about Malkovich. Well, I just mean, like, don't put him. He, he would have been good as Jimmy. I think right? I think the demeanor could have fit, for yeah, sure. Totally. Also, I think, uh, you know, they go into specifically how Jimmy's not full Italian. That's why he can't be made. He's half That's Irish. True. Right. No, yeah. I, I think Malkovich would be good as Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Oh, for the explosive Joe, stuff. Yeah, he would yeah. be good for that. I mean, Joe Pesci was great. I can I, see Malkovich in that guy. Uh, wait, we, we all had Malkovich's hold my watch. I'm trying not to do walk-in. I'm trying not to switch... You have to do Con Air if you want to get to Malkovich. You have to start from that's Con a Air. Rock. Break it. I'm going to kill yeah. everyone on this train. On this train. Yeah. Uh, that's I'm going into walking too easily. How am I funny? No, it's walking. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also How last, am I funny? <laughs> I guess last on the list before De Niro finally agreed, William Peterson was approached. Ooh, I don't CSI know guy. Um, Edward Norton's character from Red Dragon in... The Brian Cox, what Manhunter? Oh, the oh, lead okay. in Manhunter. Oh, okay. Um, I think I know that guy. Yeah. Anyway, not terribly exciting. De Niro was the was the call. Yeah, uh, it's hard to be exciting when you're starting at De Niro. Yeah. I did think that it was um, a pretty background role for De Niro. You know, he kind of picks it up later on. But That's true. Because he when he starts getting more aggressive and paranoid. But yeah, yeah. I. But I also I so like the balance of the three guys. Like you got Pesci for the outbursts and the and the real viciousness, you got your lead, and then you got De Niro to be the guy who like the the scene before uh, Tommy comes back in to kill Billy Bats, and he's doing the like you insulted him a little bit, a little bit yeah. like just how cool he plays it, how likable he is, the Jimmy the Gent, you yeah. know, his energy mm -hmm. is such a perfect uh, <clears throat> compliment to the others. People considered for Henry, Sean Penn, uh, and sure. Alec Baldwin. It was Baldwin. well. He auditioned. I don't even know if he was in the running, but he auditioned. I could see Penn though, Mystic River, right? I could see Penn. Scorsese was the one who said Leota, uh, and the studio wasn't having it because he was kind of unknown. Scorsese got his way. What are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> and then, as far as Paulie goes, the mob boss character mm. that was offered to Pesci first, but he wanted Tommy. Yeah, uh, had to fight for Tommy. Um, Classic Tommy. Yeah, and. Uh, Boy, was he the right call. I mean, he's, did he, he, he's responsible did he for the Oscar one for Oscar yeah, that okay. this movie got. Best Supporting Actor, of course. And I have a fun fact about that later in the fun facts section. Ooh, is it about... Well, you, know, it about, you. you probably is know it, a, it. Is it about his speech? Yeah. Okay, we'll get yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say it now. It's weird. Oh. It's become weird. Um, <laughs> uh, weird. Sixth shortest Oscar speech of all time. Sixth shortest. Sixth shortest. And Isn't it three said, words? It's three. It's, uh, I got it right here. It is, it's my privilege. Thank you. Five words. Five words. What's so the shortest, the shortest of all time is thank you. Bye. Um, I believe, I, I don't know who said that. Okay, Ellen Barkin and Madonna were both considered for Karen, the Lorraine Bracco character. Oh. Ellen Barkin. I don't know who. Ocean's Thirteen. Oh, sure, uh, Ellen Barkin. doesn't live okay. here anymore. Great actress. Yeah, uh, yeah, she would have been good. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I uh, thought Lorraine Bracco was dynamite. I mean, yeah. that's the thing about. I almost feel like one of the things about this movie is like every role 
is perfectly cast, even yeah. the roles filled by non-actors. Yeah. No, we did it right. We did they, it perfectly. They had it, yeah. You're right, you're right. Um, I thought you would find this one fun. Ray Liotta turned down playing Harvey Dent in 1989's Batman to do this. I wonder if he regrets it. A Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was funny to me to think about because I can't think of one other. I got nothing against Ray Liotta, but I can't think of another Ray Liotta movie that's like, hey, what Ray Liotta movie should I watch? Uh, Goodfellas and I don't know. <laughs> He's Look pretty funny in, uh, oh, Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah, he is good in Heartbreakers. I remember liking him in Field of Dreams. There's a few, but oh, there's nice. nothing like this. Sure. Speaking of what you said about the non-actors, one little fun uh, nugget that I've got here is that the U.S. attorney, Edward McDonald, the guy who's talking to them about joining witness protection for the end, that's the real guy who talked yeah. to Henry Hill. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. I, I mean, for a non-actor. Yeah. yeah. He was, but I could tell he was like a little... He's a little stiff and formal. He said that um, the one major difference between how it was done in the movie and what happened in real life is that waiting outside of the room in the real uh, meeting were two of Henry's mistresses that he also wanted brought along into witness protection. <laughs> um, I told that to Kim and she said they should have left that in. That's a good detail. But I think it's about making Karen not seem, I mean, you know, a little more sympathetic maybe for Karen. And maybe trying to squeeze wherever one can likability yeah. out of Henry. Yeah, yeah. At that, because at that point, he you, you want to want the audience to want him to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. want to, yeah. It's like yeah. when you're watching, like like when we would be watching The Sopranos, and Lauren would go, "Oh, phew, he got yeah. away with it." I was, and then you go, "Wait, hang on, wait, 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 <laughs> got away wait. with that horrible yeah. thing." Yeah. Kim and I recently watched all the Sopranos and, you know, Kim has been wanting to see this movie because I've told her it's my favorite mob movie and she liked it more than she expected because she didn't expect it to be such a precursor to the Sopranos. Like mm -hmm. the humor, the, the type of, the way they depict the world is very, like the Sopranos couldn't have happened without this first, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. It really. Yeah. So much of the imagery. Of I mean, yeah. I haven't seen a ton of mob movies, but I, so you can hear it in my voice every time I start talking, I'm like, you're going to say something stupid. Hmm. You don't know what you're talking about. You what the fuck is the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just was hot, relentless. <clears throat> that guy would not answer, and he just kept asking him what the fuck is wrong. Oh, the guy with the car. He did answer. He answered yeah. so many times. I know, my but he just name. kept going. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. It's good. Okay, so anything else you want to say about Goodfellas before we I ask some questions, and then we get into My Blue Heaven? I, I will say... I'll just come clean. Paul, I had completely forgotten how many people from The Sopranos were in it. I didn't even remember that Lorraine yeah. Bracco was Bracco was Karen Hill. I, I had to point, point her out. Because I was looking at the other two. She was offered, without audition, <clears throat> Carmela in Sopranos, but she said she didn't want to do it because she'd done it already right. in Good Right. Films. And she's yeah. such a good Melfi. It's like, oh, and then Edie I, is, I mean, like, again, oh. you know. It, it happened as as it was meant to. Yeah. So um, I, I was very excited, you know, because it was always exciting just to see anyone from The Sopranos, be it a large role or just, you know, like one of the... Yeah, Paulie at the, the beginning. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, but then when Warren pointed out it was her, I was like, oh, uh, huzzah, yeah. hooray, <laughs> I love her. This is so exciting. And of course, I remembered her 
from the first time I'd seen it, I knew what her character was. I knew what she did in the movie. Of course, I remember like, you know, her with the gun. Oh, such you know, a great Over scene. him in the morning. Yeah. And so when I got to see now, having seen this Chronos and, you know, falling in love with her as an actor, getting to see her again, like, oh, yay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very cool. It it was very upsetting. I usually sure. uh, shy away from, yeah. yeah. Oh, the beginning. Really very upsetting. beginning. Right yeah. off the bat. Martin's yeah. just letting you know what your what's gonna the next yeah. two yeah. and a half hours are gonna be like. Uh, but I was I found myself very able to like put myself in the shoes of people in that situation. So it was very stressful. Yeah. Like even like um, Joe Pesci, like feeling we all know what it feels like to feel like we're being like condescended to or being made fun of. Yeah. And of course, most of us don't do what he does, but we know what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um. And like then like all the. the the drug stuff always bumps me out. Oh, right. Like you that addiction that. and whatnot. Um, she won't watch Breaking Bad. I won't watch Breaking Bad. Because sure. it makes her she'll watch, she'll watch Sopranos and I, Hannibal and stuff. But I notice think he, Breaking Bad gets funny. Breaking Bad eventually gets funny. It takes a while. Sopranos is funny, you know? Doesn't that guy I, melt in that... The bathtub. He does. That's like pretty, where I stopped watching. That's like yeah. three episodes in or something. Yeah. He yeah. thinks so that's gets hilarious. Funny. Well, like, you know, in dark, a Sam Raimi Looney Tunes darkly kind of funny. way. Yeah. <laughs> I think you hit something by saying, you know, it's you, you're able to feel like you're in their shoes. I think that is something that The Sopranos does better than Breaking Bad. It's like you, mm. Breaking Bad is a great story to watch and to watch what happens to the characters as they evolve. But you don't really get to feel, unless you're in a very specific situation in real life, you don't get to feel like the characters. Whereas Sopranos, the themes it hits about family and like just feeling, you know, like unappreciated or whatever, like there's episode to episode, there's something to relate to. Like you, you know what I mean? It's almost about, yeah, the fun part is they're mobsters, but they're people and they got these real. Yeah. Yeah, you know. like um, yeah, especially with yeah. uh, Tony being in therapy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever one of the first episodes, he like was looking at painting. He's like, what "The fuck, stop painting me!" Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I get it. I get <laughs> yeah, yeah. it. I've, yeah. I've done. I, I can be in that headspace. This movie does show you the fallout from the lifestyle, and sure. I don't just mean getting stabbed in the chest. I mean like crumpled up on the floor in the corner crying. I mean, you yeah. walk into a hospital and a doctor goes. Jesus, are you good? Yeah. Like, yeah, the yeah. toll it takes on you, and however cool you get to look and feel, you know, in your shark skin suit, suit with your cocaine, there's the other side of it where you're, like, sweaty and torn and, like, yeah. tearing through the house and not at all feeling your best. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I also think, again, about the point of, like, getting to feel like you're in it. I think the speed and the relentlessness that you referred to earlier, Lauren, is really what helps in this sense of like, even if you're not into mob movies, you might be into this one because yeah. they introduce you to this kid at the beginning and you're like, and he's explaining to you why, why it appealed yeah. to me, you know, and what was good about it and what was bad about it. It's like, it's uh, if anything, it's kind of a good intro to the mob type of movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You will not feel it's two and a half hour run. Right. No. If you're like not vibing with something, just give it a couple minutes and mm -hmm. it keeps going. <laughs> On to you know? something else, absolutely. Yeah. And, a, and a completely different feeling in the next scene. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Wanna, before we wait, wait, before mm. we move on, I just wanna I wanna point out I think it's interesting, Lauren, because you're so you're so gentle and soft spoken. Yes. 
but I do think it's interesting that when you're talking about Goodfellas and you're like, it's, you know, you can really relate to the characters. Uh, Tommy, for instance, <laughs> I get it. You know, sometimes you're just, someone's talking to you and you're like, I'm going to smash this bottle into his eyes. I yeah. told you I have anger issues. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, I'm the Sopranos. You know how sometimes you look at a painting and you're just furious? And yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, babe. Yeah. Hmm? Got lames. Yeah. <laughs> you got to type, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then my first question in these ep this season's episodes, does this movie belong on the top 100 films list? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yes. I would Again, it doesn't need me to give it that. It, yeah, it knows. Yeah, I would have put it higher. It's 94. I, I would have oh. put it higher. It's a really good movie. Is well, it, is, it, is, is it the like... list based on goodness, or is it like year? I, uh, well, everybody says Citizen Kane, number one. You know, like... Is it? That matters. It, it is. Mm. On the... Uh, it's on both lists, on both versions of the list. Where's Where's Into the Spider Verse? <laughs> this is uh, they haven't made that list yet. They're modifying it. Yeah. Well, it's been years. How often do they do this list? We make new movies I, every I, year. I think maybe every ten years. So it might be That's coming not up. How... What? Every ten years? Since they did it the first time. So when it was that? I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to look <laughs> it up. <laughs> Uh, well. You need to call your people at AFI, Paul. Yeah, that, well, I, I need. Well, now I know I need to have this information at the ready for this season, just in case I'm asked absolutely anything about these movies. <laughs> um, okay, and then second question: Should this movie have a sequel? Um, I I would say uh, no. Um, any sequel would just sort of like gut for what this movie is doing, particularly since it's based on a true story. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he just needs it. I agree. I don't think it needs one. Yeah, I agree. You know, I know we've all got our pitches, and I hope we're excited <laughs> about them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I will say, as I did my best with my pitch, I still I would see it and I'd like it, but I'd also go and need it. You know, like because there's more to Henry Hill's story, sure, because he lived longer, but it doesn't have the rest of the characters. It doesn't have the world. It doesn't have the the stuff right. that that makes Goodfellas mm -hmm. so good. So yeah, I agree with you. Exactly. Which is why I did not do my best when I came up with my <laughs> I knew I would fail no matter what. So I yeah. just kind of have asked it. That's fair. Yeah, no, it's even at 50% capacity on there. So. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect transition to my blue heaven. Um, which I not to be mean if you you know I don't know how you guys felt about it but it's uh, <laughs> if you think of it as a sequel to Goodfellas it there's some some stuff it doesn't do quite well <laughs> yeah <clears throat> well I didn't know that they came out the same year they that came out the same wild. year and My Blue Heaven came out one month before Goodfellas that's crazy oh weird so Yes, I've Meats. already said this is an unofficial sequel, but I might as well get into this now, why we're talking about this as a sequel at all. So, uh, Nicholas Pelleggi, the author of Wise Guy, was married to the author of My Blue Heaven, Nora Ephron, at the time. What? And so, Nora Ephron, based on the calls and the interviews that Nicholas did with Henry Hill, came up with this story to write. She found out details from his life in Witness Protection and said, that would make a good comedy. I'm going to write that movie. And that movie came to fruition before Goodfellas did. That wow. is nuts. What a badass. Yes. Wow. Yes. 
Yes. Um, I I admit I uh, I forgot this is a Nora Ephron movie. Yeah. No, I, uh, not her best work. I think she has much higher hit much higher echelons. Did she write Sleepless in Seattle? She did. What a woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cer- it's certainly not her best, but I think it's it's it still has uh it still has her vibe and it I I enjoyed the movie. I actually grew up watching my Blue Heaven. I've seen it quite a few times. You you've um, mentioned this. You've been excited about this for yeah, that reason. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um and watching it again, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is this is a good time. The cast is stellar and um, I think because she wrote or Ephraim wrote it, it has like that sparkle. So I'll take it. It was definitely fun. It was... I had fun watching it. I enjoyed myself. I have some notes. It was stupid fun. And, uh, you know, I think purposefully so. I don't. It was not yeah. trying to be anything more than it was trying to be. I, it got me three times with big laughs. I had like three big laughs and they were all beautifully done visual gags. Can't wait to hear what those are. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I know the second was the second? was the second was when his trunk is full of the coins uh-huh. and it sinks, yeah. and then the, the mufflers just scraping across the ground. Classic. Um, the third, and it was right at the end. I wasn't expecting to be God again when the baseball uniforms came out. And there were the jackets <laughs> with the pies that I forgot about that. Killed me. That was very funny. Oh, the first was when Rick Moranis stood to attention with salute at the uh, this concludes our broadcast day. That really got national that got anthem. That got me big. That was yeah. a great. The, the casual great way he was like still finishing his work yeah. as he stood. I'm like, oh. He doesn't even put his hand over his heart. He's just like, it. yeah, okay. I get this guy. I get this guy. <laughs> yeah. I know who he is now. Had you oh, seen this movie, Travis? Um, I, I saw it when it came out, I think my folks must have rented it or something. I feel like, you know, cause Steve Martin was still like big hot movie star in 1990. He had, had his run through the seventies and eighties and the nineties. So I think, cause we'd, I remember being shown a number of the Steve Martin eighties and nineties movies, you know, the LA story. What's the one where he's the, the con man with the glittery, no, no, no. Before no. that, he's got the, the glittery blazer. He does the bit with the Oh, watch. uh, um, Mir- no, um, Pennies from Heaven. Pennies from Heaven, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I had technically seen it. Okay. I do not, I did not remember it. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of like my first time. I like to watch both. Uh, we can. Both fingers good. Well, like both welcome fingers. to Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really liked it. I really yeah. liked it. Yeah. Uh, it was a really fun time. Uh, I also, I guess maybe just forgot too that it was Nora Ephron. So when her name came up, I was like, "Oh, good!" It was sort of like locked I locked and loaded. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Cool. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this will be. So we're just going to have an okay time then for sure. For it and being, sure. you know, what what you're in for is a fish out of water. What if a mo- big dumb mobster was in Sabibia? Like for that to be what it is, at least it was done with a steady hand by a yeah. professional. You know, sure. knows how yeah. to write a story. It has a 67% of Rotten Tomatoes. That, that's, that doesn't strike me as com- entirely unfair. I could see it not being, we're not working for everybody. Didn't work for Henry Hill. Henry Hill hated it. Um, oh, why? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Specific- Martin managed to hold on to the accent most of the Ooh. way through. He got through most of it. Which brings me to what I think 
I have to say is if I have if I have one major criticism of the movie, it is on again, off again, Steve Martin. And I think that, as you mentioned, he's a big fat movie star at the time. He's yeah. he, he so he's the money of the movie, sure. But I think he's in too many scenes. I like it's like <laughs> it's every scene is how do we get it back to him doing his accent and making his body a move? <laughs> and it's like, why isn't this scene about Rick Moranis and Joan Cusack? Or why isn't this scene? You know what I mean? There's a lot of like imbalance to me as to you know why it always has to be him it's always him we're watching also i don't know what this movie's trying to tell us it, it it's the crime crime's good you put a yeah. little crime yeah. in your life <laughs> yeah. see where it gets you like the I, yeah. I really loved when the movie started to turn to like oh he's like uh, like the he's got like the heart of gold and he's gonna like yeah uh, he's got his his shifty gears but he's gonna he's gonna try to do the right thing and he's just He's like Hawkeye from MASH. Yeah. He's just here to have a good time. That's, Who, me? That's very, yeah. uh, that's very uh, Nora Ephron, though. You know, she likes to do stories that are a little bit absurd. Well, when I think specifically of... I mean, because Sleepless in Seattle is a little absurd. I see that. When I think of When Harry Met Sally, that is like... I think what works about it is it feels so real. It feels like life plus. Yeah. A little that bit, one is. You know. Oh, that's great! But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is like it is like a little, just a little turned up. Sure, it's, it's, it's like definitely not as much. What if everybody was maximum charming? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, okay, so she's our writer. We know her. We love her. Our director's Herbert Ross. He's got some hits on his record. Play it again, Sam. The Sunshine Boys. Footloose. Steel Magnolias. Oh. So he's a pro. You know, we got, got some. Okay heavy hitters yeah. here and these are all pre my blue heaven so he knew he knew what to do but it was originally cast to be steve martin as barney the rick moranis role and arnold schwarzenegger as Vinny. so what? we're playing with a different dynamic there obviously arnold i don't know if he could play i mean him playing italian maybe uh, even harder i i think they rewrite that and it's not italian I think you would have just gotten pure Arnold. Yeah. Which is a good melt all this stuff. (laughs) 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 You think he could have pulled it off? Arnold is definitely charming life life of the party. It would have worked for its own thing. And Steve Martin is straight man. It's not an everyday flavor, but it's good when it's there. I, I feel like Italian is a huge part of the script, though. You'd have to make yeah. so many changes. Specifically, that scene, the first thing that comes to mind is the mum scene at the airport. Yeah. Which, oh, hila- that was hilarious. That was another gag that really, really grabbed me. Yeah, um, yeah. that's, oh. So, Schwartzy, Schw- we got Scorzy and Schwartzy, Schwartzy mm. Nagy, Schwartzy Nagy, nope. uh, Schwartzy, mm-hmm. was sick with Schwartzy. Mm-hmm. He, he dropped out. Uh, they tried for Danny DeVito next. Naturally, just running through he was their just, twins. He was just there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he, I think, would have been great in this role sure. as Vinny. Yeah. Could have seen it. And watch the idea of him meringueing. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, he would have nailed it. So yeah. Schwarzenegger was cast. It, that was the setup. That was like we're going into production with Schwartzy and Steve Martin. Okay. And then oh, Schwarzenegger dropped out to do Kindergarten Cop. Sure. They went to Devito. Devito said no. And so then Steve Martin said, I'll do it. I'll just do Vinny. And then they 
got Moranis for for Barney, and Great. you know, yeah, wonderful. I could have used uh, more Barney. Always, yeah, always. Uh, for sure. Getting always. to watch him do a little more. Also, I have a okay. So in the story, sort of what becomes the story toward the end, I was confused by one thing after another because. Yep. Steve Martin tries to gain credit with Joan Cusack, who's the district attorney of that small town, by getting her to bust these guys that he heard about. And it turns out those guys are Rick Moranis and his FBI partner, Bill Irwin, who, by the way, loved seeing him in this movie. He was great. The greatest living mime. It's... <laughs> oh, is that... So that he has a history of mime. Apparently, yeah. This guy is like a brilliant performance so, mime story. As you can tell from his physical performance. See, that made sense. Because I didn't know of this guy until The Grinch. You know? Right. And then, I, you know, I've seen him and stuff since. I like him. I think he's a good character actor. Yeah. I thought he was a great partner to Rick from the beginning of this. The scene about the $100. Like, I loved everything he was doing. And then the second half of the movie, all they had him do was dance. And in a yeah. really cartoonish, clowning type of way. And I was like, this must be why they got him. Or, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, like, because otherwise, why are you doing that to that character? It doesn't <laughs> need to happen. And that, like, the first time we see him, that walk he does is so over the top. And I, he doesn't walk like that again for the whole movie. But the first time we see him, it's just like, it's like very, like, <laughs> she's doing waddly, it. You can't see yeah. it on the podcast. Like, she's doing a really good job at what he was yeah, doing. Yeah. It's like straight arms, stiff arms, just like waddling back and forth. That big goofy guy. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. You get yeah. the big goofy guy, you get the little Rick Moranis guy. Yeah. I love it. But my question is, so first of all, I didn't really understand the bust, like how Steve Martin got that tip, you know? Like uh, Bill Irwin and Rick Moranis are going undercover to bust the mm -hmm. the bigwigs that they, they hear are in town. They don't know that the bigwigs that are in town are like Steve Martin and his crew. Oh, So, so like, it's... they are aware of them. I see. So it's the same it, joke it's another, it's made another credit cards. where it was, yeah, it turned right. out to be him doing the crime. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Right. Right. But now this time he's genuinely trying to once again roll over on, you know, co-criminals. Co okay. Uh, but this time they just, the criminals happen to be trying to sting yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. So then my next question is about the ending climax sequence, which is that Joan Cusack busts Vinny. For as his scheme to his scheme to raise money for Little League, mm. that she believes is just money he's going. Him and his cohorts are going to keep. Yeah. And then the reveal at the end is that he is building a baseball stadium. Although it's not a dome, they bring that up a million That's times. Right? And it's not a dome. <laughs> That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> dome money, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> they got dome money. It this is an expensive looking thing for a Little League. Yeah, they, yeah, they spent their dome money yeah. on. Steve Martin. On those uniforms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but my question is, do you guys think that that was true? Yes. That, that you think it was true that he was saving that reveal as opposed to just telling them it's the truth? Because You know what I mean? Because the kids already know that they're raising yes. the money. So what is the reveal? That he's actually doing what he said he was doing. Well, right. But, but if that's what he's saying he's doing, his explanation that... Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you about this because I wanted it to be a surprise. And it's like, it's not a surprise. It's what you said you were doing. So It's a surprise to us who have watched him right. be in ingenuous. But he's not talking to the audience. The he's talking to, yeah. you know. 
I mean, I mean, I suppose you have to. You do have to put your thumb on the scale. Yeah, that's fair. Like it's a rom com and kind of go like, eh, because he was intending. My belief is that he was intending to build the stadium so that he could then use the stadium to sell all of his stolen goods. Well, he so it does. He yeah, does, yeah, right. Yeah. So I, that's why I believe so it was he a was scheme. intended. It was still the scheme because yeah, yeah. he can't, eh, he's got to keep his head out of the cookie jar. Yeah. yeah. It was just but, that so. weird moment of him doing that, which is like, wait, so is he lying? Are we supposed to believe he's lying? And then Rick Moranis comes in and goes, yeah, I knew about it too. I just didn't want to yeah, be a surprise. Like and then she right. goes, you expect me to believe that? He goes, yes. And then they kiss. <laughs> yeah, and that's I'm like, weird. <laughs> that's weird. Is that He's like a manipulator now. I couldn't. I couldn't quite see where they were trying to have us read. That, on that. that did muddy the waters a little, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. That is probably just some good old fashioned like '80s romance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fooled the girl, and now <laughs> we get to have sex. You know, you know what yeah. women want to yeah. be told what to do a little bit. Am I right, fellas? Speaking of women, I can't help I, I but feel that was a waste of Carol Kane. And she's like fifth yeah. build. She's barely in the movie. And, and then she they, does such a good job. <laughs> she does do a good job in yeah. her three lines, four lines. Yeah. Um, but I could have used more for sure. Sure. Always. Always. Yeah. Um, so the moment that is very specifically from the life of Henry Hill that I perhaps I was the catalyst for Nora Ephron to write this uh, script was the moment that he calls Barney to say he was married. And that he, don't worry, I didn't marry her under my real name. This was an exact quote from Henry Hill that happened in his life. And that's what, that, along with a drug bust, led to the end of his marriage and him getting kicked out of the witness protection program. Oh, um, but hilarious, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> hilarious yeah. fodder for a movie. They kept it so vague about exactly where... And he was hiding out. Well, obviously, it has to be near San Diego, right? Because the Padres and right. But yeah, they that... never say exactly. Yeah, that's Freiburg, that's... I guess. Is but... Oh, Freiburg. Oh, but like they're very vague to like say it's in California. Well, but I was just Especially thinking, with... yeah, because I called it a small town, but they don't even make that specific. I just assumed it was a small town because every time he gets arrested, he goes to the DA's office. He goes <laughs> yeah. right to the DA's office. Like, whoa. But where, where in California is there like a pasture with a horse outside your, your Yeah, it didn't look like what? California. Oh. It looked like Flatlands <laughs> suburbia. You're right. Anything else you guys want to say about the movie before we cruise toward the pitches? I have been trying to figure out the past couple of years why I like, like, getting ready scenes in movies so much. I just like the scene where Barney's just putting on his new socks and suit. I don't know why, but that's just like a trope in a movie I really enjoy. I was expecting it to turn into a sequence of him trying on suits. Uh, because I've yeah, seen that yeah. type of thing so many times, I was expecting it to be like him and Steve Martin doing a bunch of changes and then just like for, you know, an isolated shot yeah. of them dancing next to each other yeah. in their suits. <laughs> But I will say I was very pleased with how good Rick Moranis looked when he came out of the dressing room. It's like, oh yeah, that is an upgrade. Go Barney. Yeah. <laughs> nice suit. Yeah, it was a nice suit. Yeah. yeah. It's um, the second time he's played a Barney. That's right. First time, really. Ah, <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's a good got a good Barney look. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about the Flintstones, which obviously we're never going to do on this podcast, as that had an amazing series. Well, we could do a continuation celebration, right? but because I've never Ooh. seen it, I would love to. I and haven't it's a seen it either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into the pitches, I want to talk about other sequels. Uh, of course, there are no official sequels to Goodfellas, but there are a couple of what I would call midquels, because there are two made-for-TV movies, one made in 1991, right after Goodfellas Fever, and one made in 2001, and they are both focused on the Lufthansa heist, the huge score that they have toward the end of Goodfellas, which they don't even show, yeah. the heist itself, but it was apparently a big effing deal. It was the it was the biggest heist of all time at the time, the largest cash robbery ever, up to $8 million in money and goods was stolen from JFK Airport by that crew. Um, so there are two movies about it. One is called The $10 Million Getaway. That's the 91 version. And that has John Mahoney, Frazier's dad, oh. as Jimmy Burke, who is the uh, real-life inspiration for Jimmy Conway, the De Niro character, who masterminded the whole thing. And then The Big Heist, 2001, Henry Hill is not in that movie, The $10 Million Getaway, but he is in The Big Heist. Uh, and Nick Sandow, Caputo from Orange is the New Black plays Henry Hill in that movie. Okay. And Donald Sutherland plays Jimmy. Jimmy Burke. Nice. Yeah. Also so has, we really, yeah. for our Jimmies, we're just, we got a whole spectrum of white guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was who he was. He was I, a real no, guy. I just, no, yeah. I just mean that, like, we've got from De Niro to Mahoney to Sutherland, that's three very. Yeah, I haven't seen clips of John Mahoney yet, but I did see a clip of, I just watched the trailer for The Big Heist. So Donald Sutherland is just vaguely doing an Italian accent. It's like everybody else around him is going full Italian, and he's being Donald Sutherland. It's a weird choice. Classic Sutherland. Classic Sutherland. I got nothing against My Blue Heaven, and I love it as a weird, unofficial sequel to Goodfellas. I'll take it. It's a funny little... It was yeah. a really fun double feature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And honestly, a nice pick-me-up after Goodfellas. Yeah, that's true. It is a good order to do it. Although, you know what, really, for a movie that opens with uh, chest stabbing, yeah. not, like, super heavy at that's the end. True. You know, he's got that great song. But then there's that weird, out-of-nowhere shot of Joe Pesci shooting at the camera. Um, it's... It's because Scorsese loves cinema. I know, I know. It's a great train robbery. robbery. It's an homage. I understand that. And his reasoning is they have the same plot. This movie is about, that movie is about a crew of uh, criminals who make a score and then they kill each other. And and so is this one. Same movie. So, fine. But Marty, this whole movie was cohesive. And then you you did that at the end? I I also felt it symbolized... um, to Henry Hill, the past is never really dead. Yeah, I agree. He's I still going to be like... It, it can be... Yeah. You can read into it whatever you want. And I think there's enough to... Like, yeah, dangers around every corner. That type of thing. Like, he, he'll never feel safe, maybe. But it's weird that it's a character who died in the movie. Like, why is it... I'm sorry. It when when was this? I know the shot you're talking about. Was it in, in the credits? It was literally it's literally the second to last shot. Like you know, it pans like across the suburbia. Yeah, he's getting the paper. Like, 
And uh-huh. he, like, he like looks up into the camera, this Joe Pesci shot, oh. and then it gets back to him smiling. I yeah. literally, I must have glanced ever so briefly away and missed just that. Oh. Maybe I was looking at you and thinking about how beautiful you are. It's quite a choice to be like, oh, I have this idea for something I want to do. I'm going to put it right in at the very end, you know. But I kind of like that like, about Scorsese. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. She's like, we'll put it in at the end. Everybody already liked the movie. Like, no harm, no foul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can like it or not. They're already satisfied. You know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that he seems like he would be this like straight over the plate director, but then he will do something like that, like throw that shot in. Uh, but it was neat when Ray Liotta started talking to the camera in that scene. Oh, and he got yeah. up and yeah. moved around, and everyone else was still doing poetry yeah, stuff. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. Like Scorsese, he'll. He's going to be a little kooky. I yeah, do. He's got those glasses. The, I mean, and uh, it's stupid. I want to say I have no notes, but oh, I well. do have a slight wish that him talking to the camera sounded a little bit more like the narration we've been hearing the whole time. Because That's, the narration we've been hearing I, I the whole time, too. Yeah, it's like overwhelmingly loud, like ever since I you yeah. know, was a kid, I wanted to be a gangster. And then he's very <laughs> quietly talking in the courtroom. So, but... Uh, well, I will go out on a limb and say Martin Scorsese made Goodfellas correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so are you guys ready to pitch? I am. I would yeah. request I go first can, because... Can you go second? Who's going to go first? Me. Yes. <laughs> anything. Anything for you. All right, just as long as you go, you go second. All right. Okay, so my, my pitch is... So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? Okay, so my pitch uh, does take place after uh, Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a sequel. So, uh, Karen is, you know, she's not in witness protect- protection. She doesn't want to do it so she can see her parents. So, one night, uh, she is woken up to noises in her home, and there's two hitmen who are there to kill her. But she outboxes them, and she, like, she, like, did, uh, incapacitates one. And the other one, she's like, who sent you? And they're like, Ugh. she's like, take me to, she, she, she gets the gun. She's tough. She get, Or she has a gun. Sure. Anyway, she's, she's like, holding on. She's like, take me, take me to, take me to whoever hired you to kill me. And they're like, and they, they do. And they take it, they take her to this guy's house. And she like goes in and she kills both of the men in front of this guy. And she's like, who are you and why do you want me dead? And the guy's like, Ugh. <laughs> um, it turns out that he is actually a cop. He's gotten in with the wrong people, and he's like, "Oh, like it wasn't me. Like I like I'm I'm in big with, with like the new boss guy. Like he he wants all the loose ends tied up after all this stuff with Henry Hill and, and that, that that whole crime ring. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he I I told him like I'll take care of it because I I owe him. And she's like, "Huh? Well, that that's crap." Uh, you're going to work with me so I can do my stuff and you're going to help me cover it up. Also, who is this guy who wants to be dead? So, like, this this cop guy helps her do her do her stuff, like do her own crime stuff. And finally she goes to meet the new boss guy and she's like, hey, like, what, like, what, why do you want to kill me? And he's like, oh, like, I, I want to do my own stuff. I don't want any loose ends. But it's actually, it's actually a sting and she gets the guy to admit that he's the new crime boss. And the cop guy comes in with all his buddies, and he's like, "Ah, oh, freeze! You're under arrest." And the guy, the new boss, goes to jail, and uh, Karen is home free, 
she has her money that she's gotten from her stings and whatnot with the cop, and she gets to live a comfortable life. Does she con- very fast continue being <laughs> a criminal? She becomes the new the new crime boss. Right. Okay. After she gets the other guy arrested, so yeah, she does continue. To you got a title? I could not think of one. Okay. I could not think of one. I thought but, you were going to say like but, good lady or something. Uh, yeah. I was gonna, That's what I was just whispering. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, what about good fillies? But I, good God. fillies? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you, then, need like, more, you, you need more fillies to fill, fill it out. Like she, I, like, I did have the thought. I was like, I would love Mary, Mc, Mary McDonald to like have gotten involved with this somehow. So maybe she shows it somehow. She could be the... She could help. She could help. She could help. So I do for the cast, the, the cop who she gets to help her out is Noah Emmerich. Mm. Um, who I really like. I could dig it. I would yeah. love, I love, you know, I think you'll see reflected in my, I, I, I love watching Karen gain strength. And, yeah. you know, yeah, she's a great character and I want the best for her over Henry, over uh-huh. anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right, good. My pitch is, um, a little happier than that. Okay. Uh, well, I, I can go uh, at your leisure, Paul. Um, I feel very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Want to talk now? Please. Okay, let's talk. Let's get it over. So, uh, my movie uh, is going to Henry's, you know, in any town, USA, whatever, little suburbia crap hole. He, as he has stated, hates it. Like, even being a successful suburban guy, misery to this dude. Yeah. Uh, but he's got to be on the straight and narrow. There are no more second chances, yada, yada, yada. He's got to make it work with his wife and his kids. So he's got to kind of like squeeze the muscle as, as hard as he can and make a go of it. However, of course, it's about the lifestyle. He cannot keep his hand out of the cookie jar. Yeah. So he starts getting into the suburban dad scene and he starts committing, you know, gentle suburban crime, like kind of like wowing everybody like the party, getting the dads to like follow. He has his new thing. But the crimes he's doing, like the one in my blue heaven, I actually really like when he gets the price gun and he changed the price. Yeah, 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 that was great. Yeah, Things like that that are still technically criminal and could get him into trouble if he were arrested, but are a little bit more like, you know, making bets at the kids' little league stuff. Right. Things like that. Um, Getting people to do his yard work. Things like that. So it's still kind of like he's living his lifestyle stuff. However... Oh, and his, you know, and Karen does the same thing, but with the mob wives, she's kind of like gets them. And this is what I mean, like it's a little hacky because I am trying to go for that middle of America. Mm-hmm. Teaches them how to like be stylish, how to stop cooking such bland food, you know, how to not like don't let your husbands just yada, you know, you got to stand up for yourself and like go yell no, at like your friends at the car shop, you know, like yeah. like sh- like shaking things up. Uh, but then, uh oh, the mob coming to whack him because they're finding out where he is. Uh, and then there's also like cops watching him because he's clearly up to something, but they can't really catch on to what he's doing. Sure, he's too good. Uh, and yeah, he's too good. Yeah. Uh, and then at the, the the third act is going to be like the mob shows up and the cops show up because the cops it's his big like whatever his big heist is in suburbia, um, and it's all going to come to a head at the end with like the Karen and her troop and him and his troop and the cops and some big wacky showdown much like in my blue heaven i don't really know what it is it's like you know they don't have to rent from blockbuster ever again and it resolves everything in the way that you want it to mm. satisfy i understand that's very vague but like whatever picture whatever your heist is and it's all going to come together and then he's just going to go on being king of the suburbs 
you know, Godfather of Suburbia or whatever. And it'll make it tolerable. Tolerable. And he's found a way to be a good fella in Suburbia with his crew, which he calls the name of the movie. Uh -huh. I apologize. Dad Fellas. Dad Fellas. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. How about Good Father? And, and you know what? You laugh all you want. No, Dad Fellas. Okay. And, I, and you can laugh all you want. <laughs> I promise you. Okay, look. Are you kidding? Dads just want to be this anyway. You show them a way they can do this at a barbecue. And oh, and you know who we're going to get? Because I want to do this like now. Maybe it's been a long time. I don't know. If we're making this movie now, whenever it's set, I would. I think Colin Farrell. Is, is oh, it's a modern movie. But yeah, yeah, I just like the idea. Of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not uh, Marty in your in your dreams. Scorsese? Yeah, he's not the director of this film. Of Dad Fellas? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yeah. Wild Hogs? No, of course not. This is Wild Hogs, but like with but with good fellas. Because what I was yes. hoping was Scorsese, Scorsese will hate me mix after this comes out. Marty and McMaster. For dad fellas, you maybe get a little bit better. Because what I was looking for and lacking in My Blue Heaven was a balance in terms of understanding where the line is. Because Goodfellas is so much an indictment of bad behavior. Right. And My Blue Heaven is. Hey. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. robbed from you a little bit. No problem. Like, and specifically, there's that line that Joan Cusack says where it's like, maybe. What you do, every time you go out, you commit a crime. And that's okay in New York, where people expect it, but not <laughs> but not here. It's like, uh, I, no, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think yeah. anybody thinks it's okay. It, yeah. it, it, was, uh, it was interesting. So I could see... Yeah it, would, it, yeah, it would be like My Blue Heaven, except like, you know, like halfway through that movie when he's like, what if we, because in My Blue Heaven, I, no one has mentioned this, but it comes comes out that like they just relocate every mafia guy to Freebird. Oh right, yeah. Um, okay. And of course, what would inevitably happen is they all start being the mafia again. Yeah. But then that literally goes away after like the one scene it's in, and then they all show up at the end like building the you know. Well, yeah. He, thing, he like, oh, our jugs are all. Changes this what, truck is jugs. What the mob is. Right. Yeah. You know, I want to get us back on track, but I do want to take this because I've just remembered about Daniel Stern's presence in My Blue oh, Heaven yeah. and how his the horrible thing he does is walks into an unlocked house to get his kids. Like, I understand that she wants it to be about respect and boundaries, but his, the point he's making is it's my house. It's still my house. I don't know what that means. Does that mean he owns the house? Does that mean he paid for the house? They never quite say. But then he gets beat up by Rick Moranis at the end because he walks in to pick up the boys. He's also yeah. there to pick up his kids. So yeah. I was well, a little... He's a bad father because they're not there. He, well, because <laughs> she's telling you, you, But if you and didn't tell don't... Him. But regardless of what, what, what it says on the lease... Uh, if that's not your house, you don't just sure. walk in unannounced. And no, you don't I, I argue think, back. Think and if your wife, and, yeah. and if that person tells you, like, this is not an acceptable boundary. Right. You then, yeah, respect Rick it. Moranis might have to kick your ass into the fucking bushes. Yeah. And then get what looks to be, like, as late as he was ever going to get in his life that night. Joan Cusack <laughs> yeah. was going to go full Adam's Family values on him. Mm, mm. I do, I right. do really like 
Joan Cusack and Rick Moranis opposite one another. I'm always happy to see a uh, on um on self-conscious shorter man of color. It was a good combo. I mean, that's generally what you get if it's Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I did Even like... Even with Annie Potts, yeah. he's the short one. <laughs> but I did like the moment when he stepped up onto the stairs to kiss her properly. Like, that yeah. Was, that was cute. That what was a stud. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well... Missed that guy. Yeah. Um, he could come back. He said maybe yeah. a few times over the years. Um, Don't tease me, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Pesci came back. After his retirement for the Irishman. So, well, maybe. You know what's fun is that Joe Pesci, friends with Daniel Stern. Yeah. Ooh. I wonder what Pesci thinks of Stern That's being true. in this movie. I wonder, did um, Home, Home Alone came out, came out in 90, 90, didn't it? 93. No, I think later. Later, I think. Later? Hang on. Then I 90. Think, I think, I'm I think it was 93. Then 90. I'm going to double down on this and say that I'm right. It came out in 90. Ooh, it came out in 90. Whoa, Whoa. same year? Boom. That's so crazy. Pesci wow. was having a great Tommy year. And, I'm sure... and Harry, the same year? Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Holy and cow. So I'm sure that him and Daniel Stern, I'm sure it came up. Well, now this, yeah, maybe it did. Uh, this is a good transition into my pitch because there is a, there's a connection made. You, you'll see it. You'll hear it. What happened? What happened? This sequel to Goodfellas follows Henry Hill, now known as Martin Lewis in the Witness Protection Program, in his struggle to let go of the gangster life he once knew. At first, the problem is his tireless abuse of drugs, booze, and carrying on affairs with women outside of his marriage, one of whom he illegally marries on a night he can't remember. But when things go beyond that, and Henry's cravings for the danger of his old life leads him to putting his family in peril, his wife, Karen, finally leaves him, and he is kicked out of the Witness Protection Program. Now it is open season on Henry, who survives an attempt on his life ordered by Jimmy Conway and feel, feels more alive than ever doing it. He visits Jimmy in prison in an attempt to make amends, but Jimmy won't hear it, says he's a rat and that's all he'll ever be. This leads Henry to embrace a life as a known informant and write a memoir that becomes a hit and then is made into a feature film starring Sean Penn as Henry, Al Pacino <laughs> as Jimmy, and Daniel Stern as Tommy. Henry now has traded the spoils of crime for the spoils of fame. Meanwhile, Jimmy struggles in his efforts to find friends who will whack Henry for the embarrassment he's causing the mob, a feat that only becomes harder as Henry's star rises. Henry's behavior as a celebrity puts him in and out of jail, leading the general public to grow tired of him. After burning through his money, Henry finds himself alone again, more low than ever. He goes to visit Jimmy, only to find out he has died in prison. He goes to see Karen and violently attacks her new husband, but Karen shoots him before things can go too far. Once he recovers, Henry ends up back in jail where, with nothing left to lose and the help slash love of a woman with whom he begins a letter correspondence in the can, he starts on a path to redemption. He and Janet, the woman, Susan Sarandon, are married in the prison chapel and she becomes pregnant during a conjugal visit. So by the time he gets out, he has a new family life set up for himself. But will things really be different this time? Can he really be different ever? This film is called Once a Wise Guy. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. so I good. What year is really that coming good. out? 92, um, 93? Yeah, yeah. Soon after. Same cast? Soon thereafter. Gotcha. I mean, Jimmy and him, yeah. And yeah. Karen. I gotta start yeah, writing yeah. my pitches down. Yeah, yeah. This blew us out of the water. It was really good. I mean, we fumbled pretty it's hard. Ready. But that was like, <laughs> I think even if we come prepared, like, that was that's true. really that's good. True. And that title, 
Yeah, we don't we need a boat, to right? Like, I don't have to put through the paces. Like, don't take me out back. Just do me right here. Yeah. Like, we're definitely, Paul, you just won that. Oh. In the sweep. Oh. And now it's all over. Well, thank you. I tried. I, and I, even, even with that, I don't think it should exist. You know what I mean? Sounds fun. <laughs> but yeah. Not that good. Yeah. Thanks. I love the idea of, yeah, the, of course, the, it's right there. It's, it's right yeah. there. He, the story Rest of his life getting made. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah. and then people are like, Hey, you don't do that. Yeah. And they want to come for him. But, but dramatize. That... I mean, there's stuff in there that didn't really happen, but yeah. to make it a movie. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I'm honored. Um, <laughs> and now let's do Unsung Heroes. You guys got them? Yeah. Okay. Hit it, Paul Jr. Unsung Heroes! I for sure have one for Goodfellas. Okay. Um, and it is the little bulldog in the beginning. Oh. At the taxi place. Oh. I'm so happy to see him. Yeah. That um, is a really good one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, for uh, My Blue Heaven, maybe he's pretty sung, but I'm going to go with the uh, the store clerk who keeps telling him to have a good day. Like, oh, fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, you can't have that interaction without that store clerk, so he'll be honest. It's before I watched My Blue Heaven, I watched the trailer for My Blue Heaven, and they dub over that line with, up yours. But it's like, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a, you like, poor or like different sounding delivery of that yeah. line. Like, it just strikes that as is, really weird. Do you remember that? That is the that? one, I was trying to remember. Did you have it taped off TBS or something? No, no, that was the one F-bomb allowed for the PG-13. I couldn't remember oh, because they dub cool. over, I think, twice more him saying fuck. And I oh. was like, where was the one F-bomb? Is like, does like her flipping him off in the beginning count? Anyway. I think I think cool. flip offs don't question. count. That's my right. experience in growing up and noticing how many f bombs. Because yeah. I remember there being a time where I was scared of the f word, and, and it was in oh. some of my favorite movies once or twice. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I close my ears for this. <laughs> for this I know it's coming. Uh, well, those are those are good ones. And the bulldog, like Goodfellas, I had a hard harder time with unsung heroes because there's so many small characters scattered all over the background you know that sequence where he's going through the right. club and it's, it's this guy tommy two time how you doing how you doing like mm. you know, <laughs> yeah it's just but like you gotta assume all those guys are sung it's such an iconic movie yeah. that everybody's like yeah everything's great but bulldogs I'm gonna go with the papers. yeah get the papers like that's anxiety and he's in the yeah. mob oh, my, yeah. I, my thought was because that was the 50s right when mm -hmm. that scene was taking yeah. place my thought was like, does that guy have what they called then shell shock from mm. World War One? Because that. that was a common symptom of. I mean, whatever it is, I definitely read it more as a compulsion than a. This would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> this would be a fun. Yeah. <laughs> hey, honey, I thought of something else I yeah. could try. Nobody's <laughs> calling me Tony <laughs> Olives. <Yeah. laughs> um, but I'm skating. <laughs> For both, it is just perfect deliveries of one line, uh, the person in each case. So for Goodfellas, it's the woman who's talking to Elena Douglas, who is, toward the end, uh, Joe Pesci's new girl, who he's like, just stay right there, don't move. And then he leaves. <laughs> she turns to the girl next to her and says, he's so jealous. If I even look at anybody else, he'll kill them. And then the woman she's talking to goes, 
Oh, great. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I missed that. And then they pan away. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, (laughs) it's that's great. That's it's just the perfect delivery. And then my guy from My Blue Heaven was the tailor that makes the suit for him in just that moment where he goes, Look at this. And he shows him his socks and he goes, The worst. Yeah, worst. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, So just two great one lines that. Yeah. yeah. So much. I I thought his socks were so much more interesting than just the plain black socks. That's true. I mean, they were ugly. I would say, but they had a little pop. Character. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the fact that they're like sunken helped with the image of like this guy's got to get it together. So for the good fellas. My unsung hero is Tony Sirico. Sirico, yeah. Sirico, yeah. Tony Sirico, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, undoubtedly a sung hero. Yeah. But uh, fuck off! I like Paulie. He is awesome. Yeah. He was in this movie, I and s- I I spent like a good five minutes trying to point him out to Travis, but he kept being behind someone. Yeah, yeah. So what Lauren was doing, <laughs> who's someone that I love and respect a lot, but what Lauren was doing was pointing at our whole TV and going there. Yeah, <laughs> with like nine guys, you go like that guy, and I'm like, what? And she's like, in the gray suit, and I'm like, they're all in yeah. gray suits. One looks like Polly. Then I was like, I can't. They all look like Polly. Well, Some uh, of them are called Polly. What I was doing was bother- that was bothering Kim as I was like, hey, when you see a Sopranos character, point them, yell out their name, <laughs> and then like it would happen. They would show up, and I would just she wouldn't say it, and I'd look at her and go ah, and then she was like. Just say it, like, like, wait, <laughs> leave me alone. I'm trying to watch the movie. You oh, just yeah. say it, and then I did. And um, yeah, Pussy was there too, but only for two seconds. Yeah. Like, I kept expecting him to come back. Both of them, I think, were in it with no lines, memorable lines. Certainly, they were just like filling out, filling out the imagery. And it's because I don't. I mean, I I don't know how much of those guys are actors and how much of those guys are just guys who are very much like that and Scorsese was like yeah throw them up there as far as I know yeah throw them up there Vinny Pastor actor Tony Sirico real mobster turned actor oh yeah 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 Mm -hmm. wow yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah. who's your unsung hero for Oh, so uh, my unsung hero for my Blue Heaven is the woman it's it's so this sometimes happens particularly with uh, older movies where an extra will be doing something so much with their mouth mm. that they then are they're obligated they must or it will be far too distracting like loop something into what they're saying what they're doing there's one at the, at the end of the original ghostbusters this guy's like yeah mm-hmm. ghostbusters <laughs> and it's really you, you got to do something but it just it always kind of sounds weird so there's this woman who sits at the little league scene mm-hmm. at the end right mm-hmm. and she's like it's whenever bill Irwin is dancing again because the music started uh-huh. yeah, yeah and she's just she just goes like Oh, ah. <laughs> and it sounds really odd and lauren and i both turned to each other <laughs> just just like disconnected enough from what she was doing Perfect. nice yeah that's a good one so i don't really necessarily have a plug but i do have sort of a new way of bringing us out of these episodes i'm gonna try to Thank use God. 
that <laughs> I'm going to try to use the outro music from now on instead of as a preview of the next episode to just do all the, hey, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, blah, 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 that everybody does. Oh, uh, and so I'm just going to announce what will be next on our list in this journey to take on the AFI list. And that is the... So we're finding out. We're finding out listeners yeah. right now with you. That's we're ex exciting. as excited as you. Oh, nice. Find out what we're, uh, our homework is. Well, we'll see once I say it, which is now. <laughs> uh, it will be The Last Days of Patton, a made-for-TV sequel to Patton, also starring George C. Scott. So at least it's got that clout to it. And uh... Well, I mean, I've never seen... <laughs> Sounds like homework. Uh, I've yeah. never seen Patton. <laughs> I've always been curious, but it's my understanding that it's between... It's between three and five hours long. Uh, it's quite long. It's not that long, I'm joking. But, it's, mm -hmm. but I like George C. Scott, of course. Thank you for listening to the follow-up showdown. Special thanks to Travis McMaster for being our mix master and Tony Intergenato for tracking down what can't be found. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can write a review and follow us on Instagram or TikTok at the follow-up showdown and Twitter at FU Showdown Pod. We're also on YouTube!